Welcome to the Red River Rising. Pastor Mike here, along with author Rick Salcedo. And Rick had done an extensive series study on the book of Job. And we've just been delighted that he's brought it into the, the recording studio here for us to talk about and break down for you folks. And I hope that you've been uh, tagging along with this. This is, this is quite a journey, Rick. It is. It's a lot of yes. meat here, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a very in-depth book, really. And yeah. it's got a lot of chapters in it. So it does. it does. There's a lot of material there to digest. And unfortunately, the way it's written, we usually digest it wrong. Right. That's exactly, which was the whole point of what brought it about for us to have this, uh, this, uh, the, this podcast, les- podcast lesson on. So I'm glad to, I'm actually glad that you brought it forward. And you actually taught this in our church as well, Rick, uh, through some Wednesday night teachings as well. So it was really enlightening to those that were here. So, so anyway, we hope that you've been blessed so far. Today we're actually going to get into the 10th part of this breakdown here and 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 rick what do you, what do you how many more you think we got before we wrap this up to kind of give people an idea uh we'll probably have about 15 podcasts okay all right good deal this. folks so so hang with us there we're about a you know two-thirds of the two-thirds. way through way through there but yeah. uh anyway rick well let's get us started here kind of catch us back up and okay. uh, take us on into today's um, lesson the last few podcasts we've been talking uh discussing the conversation that job had with his three quote friends now, I, I, the, most people referred to him as, you know, Job's friends, but I think they were more social acquaintances. Right. You know, they were all wealthy, well-to-do people as Job was. So they, they were in the same social circles. Right. But seeing how they responded when they came to quote comfort Job, um, makes me think they weren't really close friends. Yeah. Well, who would need enemies, right? Right. With friends like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think they were more just uh, social acquaintances, um, men of renown in in that day, in that region. And um, so they came to uh, comfort Joe, but basically what they did is they, they looked at how badly he was afflicted. And they concluded, well, this guy is just an evil, wicked sinner. This would not, you know, God wouldn't do this to him unless he was an evil, wicked sinner. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've discussed in previous podcasts that, you know, bad things happen to good people right. because we live in a fallen world. Yeah. You know, and Jesus said, you know, in this world, you will have troubles. Okay. That's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, it's a fact of our life here on this earth. But back then they felt everything good came from the hand of God. And good people experience good things and everything bad came from the hand of God and bad people experience bad things. Right. So they looked at the depth of his affliction and suffering and they said, this is a wicked dude. Right. You know, so they accused him as such and they said, look, come clean, just confess your sins mm-hmm. and everything will be okay. You know, and Job's like, if I do that, I'd be lying, <laughs> you know, cause I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Okay. And in Job's, uh, you know, he, he had a heart to serve God. But he didn't know God's character. You know, God hadn't revealed himself um, to the extent that he has today. Right. You know, we've got the Old Testament, New Testament, the Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth living in us. You know, so we can get a more deeper, um, clearer perception of God and his character. Right. But back then they didn't have that. And so Job thought that it was God who afflicted him. And, and he's like. You know, why would God do this? This is wrong. Yeah. And he actually justifies himself rather than God. You know, he's saying, I'm in the right and God's in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. And by doing that, he, he sinned against God. Right. Okay. Um, but what I love is that even when, 
when Satan tried to manipulate God or yeah, manipulate God into striking Job, he couldn't do it. God refused. He said, Job hasn't done anything wrong. No. You know, why, why should there be affliction or punishment? And, and at the point where Job does do something wrong, you know, God's response is to send Elihu, a prophet, mm-hmm. to, to talk to Job. And, and we're going to get into that. That's the next part of the podcast here. Okay. And, um, so God's response is to, you know, in the prophet Isaiah, I believe it was, he said, come, let us reason together. Mm-hmm. And that's his first response, really, is to say, look, you knucklehead, let, <laughs> let's talk this out. You know, right. should you really be doing what you're doing? You know, it, it's sin. It's wrong. You shouldn't be doing it. So he, he wants to reason it out with us. He wants to discuss it with us. He wants to convict us. Yeah. You know, that's his first step because because he's a loving father, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and he's full of mercy and compassion. Okay, so so that's and we'll see later on in um, in the next couple podcasts okay. that God shows up on the scene and then and and then he has a discussion with with Job. All right. Okay, so well, so Let's get into it then. yeah, so we have uh, we're at the point now where Job has finished his conversation with his three acquaintances, uh-huh. and a a younger man named Elihu shows up. Okay, now he's been on the scene listening to these four people talk, right. but he's kept his peace. He's been quiet because they were older men than him. So out of respect, he waited and let them talk it out first, and then now he speaks up. Right. Uh, and we start off in uh, chapter 32, verses 2 and 3, and it says, Then the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite, of the family of Ram, was aroused against Job. His wrath was aroused because he justified himself rather than God. Also against his three friends, his wrath was aroused because he had found no, because they had found no answer and yet had condemned Job. So Eli, who listened to them and he says, well, Job's falsely accusing God of being unrighteous and unjust. And that's wrong, you know. And Job's friends came and accused him, but they had no evidence and they got no confession out of him. So those guys are wrong. So he was upset with their unrighteous behavior. Now, not only that, but Eli, who's actually a prophet, the spirit of God comes upon him to speak these words that he's about to speak. And in uh, chapter 32, verse 8, it says, But there is a spirit in a man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. And then in verses 18 through 22, it says, For I am full of words. The spirit within me compels me. Indeed, my belly is like wine that has no vent. It is ready to burst like new wineskins. I will speak that I may find relief. I must open my lips and answer. Let me not, I pray, show partiality to anyone, nor let me flatter any man. For I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would soon take me away. So, Eli, who... God put words in Elihu that he was just compelled to speak. Mm-hmm. And and he said, I feel like a wine skin ready to burst without vent. And you know, I have to speak these words or I'm going to explode. Right. And you, we see that the prophet Jeremiah had a similar experience. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, uh, the prophet Jeremiah said, Then I said, I will make I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. So, you know, at this point, Jeremiah, you know, God used him at a time where Israel was in rebellion and sin. And he used Jeremiah to preach 
to warn them, hey, if you if you don't repent, you know, bad things are going to happen. So it was always like a negative uh, warning, you know, it was and and he was competing against false prophets that were saying, thus says the Lord, you know, I have favor on you. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. Right. You know, so, of course, the people like the positive uh message versus the negative one. But the negative one was the one that came from God. Look, you guys are sinning. You're rebelling against God. You don't straighten up. Bad things are going to happen. So Jeremiah got to, you know, so they harassed Jeremiah. They ridiculed him. Uh, they persecuted him. So he got to the point where he says, okay, I'm fed up. I'm not talking about God anymore. And I'm not going to mention his name. But yet when the Holy Spirit came upon him, those words, he was so compelled that it was like fire set up in his bones. And he just, he, he couldn't hold it back. He had to speak out the words that God put in him. And we see that Eli, who had the same experience. Yeah, I do want to point out something though with Eli, who it's that um, you know if you notice he 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 waited, he kept his mouth shut until the proper time. Um, and I believe that uh, you know there's wisdom in that. You know, you talked about that he listened to everyone, he let the elders speak first, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But then when everything had been assessed, right, and everybody had come to their conclusion, now the wisdom of the Lord came upon him here through the Spirit of God, right, mm-hmm. to give him this, which is the same yeah. how our, our Bible was written, inspired words from the Holy Spirit given, right? Right. So here he is after it's all said and done, then I believe that this is an example of just as the New Testament talks about us operating in knowledge and wisdom, Mm-hmm. That this is the wisdom that God would give to them for Elihu, a win to open his mouth to start speaking. Yeah. So sometimes we need to keep our mouth shut and let things have their way until the Holy Spirit then sends us to that point like Jeremiah, to where you can't control, you or not control, but you can't contain mm-hmm. what's been given into you to speak out. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. So the, like the Holy Spirit will at the proper time, give us the proper words and compel us yeah. that like, you know, Hey, I can't, I, I've got to say this. I got to do this. I can't, I can't withhold it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue on there. But I just want to All make right. point of that is that you see Eli who, you know, in his patience, I mean, I'm sure he wanted to speak up way before then, probably each offense that came up, right? Each yeah. time that he saw an offense brought up, I'm sure his desire was to speak up, interrupt, that would be the human thing to do. Yeah. You know, deal yeah. with it right then and there. But he didn't. He, 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 he kept his mouth shut until the end. And then once everything was done and everything was assessed, then the Holy Spirit, you know, given him inspired words here then to speak mm-hmm. when he opens his mouth. Yep. So, all right, well, go ahead. Continue okay. on there. So brother. he continues on to speak in, uh, we're going to jump up to chapter 33 verses 8 through 12. And he says, Surely you have spoken in my hearing, and I have heard the sound of your words, saying, I am pure without transgression. I am innocent, and there is no iniquity in me. Yet his friends occasioned against me. He counts me as his enemies. He puts his feet in the stocks. He puts my feet in the stocks. He watches all my paths. Look, in this you are not righteous. I will answer you, for God is greater than man. Yes. Okay, so... Uh, let me clarify that because I don't know if I inflected that correctly. <laughs> but basically what Eli is saying is I've heard you say these things, that you are innocent and you haven't sinned, yet God is punishing you. Right. Okay. And he's saying in, in saying that you are not righteous. So he's saying, Job, you're wrong. That's not correct. God's not punishing you if you are sinless. You know, God's not the one punishing you. Um, and he said, I will answer you for God is greater than man. So, you know. 
who are we, and we do this all the time, to judge God? That's right. God is greater than we are, you know, and yet, you know, I just recently watched a movie and, and it was uh, about these two people wrestling with their faith in God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and both of them are saying, how could a loving God? Right. How could a loving God do this? You know, they were blaming God for a loved one dying. Sure. You know, or how could a loving God allow this? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, they're, they're judging God. You know, they're, they're appointing themselves as being more righteous than the righteous God. Right. You know, and we are a fallen race. We have sin nature in us. Yeah. So really we have no, you know, we have no standing to say, how can a loving God do this? Or, you know, we are more righteous than God and, and we judge and condemn his actions or, or lack thereof, yeah. you know, cause people want a perfect life now, you know, they, they want to live on earth as if they've already made heaven, yeah. you know, but this is a fallen world that we live in. And again, let's go back to what Jesus said in this world, right. you will have troubles. But yet when those troubles come, then we get mad at God and we say, how could a loving God, yeah. you know? So, so basically that's what Eli, who's pointing out to Job, you know, you know, God is greater than man. So who are we to judge him? You know, how can you say that you're righteous and God has treated you unjustly? And then in uh, chapter 34, verses 10 through 12, it says, therefore, listen to me, you men of understanding, far be it from God to do wickedness and from the almighty to commit iniquity. For he repays man according to his work and makes him to find a reward according to his way. Surely God will never do wickedly, nor will the Almighty pervert justice. So Eli, who here is saying, you know, you guys, you're not dumb people. Listen, understand, um, because I'm going to speak truth to you. He says, uh, God is far away from wickedness. Mm -hmm. You know, God does not do wickedness. He's far away from that. Uh, It's not his nature. And it says uh, he doesn't commit any iniquity. And he says he, he pays back. Uh, this next one is basically the, the principle of reaping and sowing. God set that universal law into place right. that you reap what you sow. So he's saying, you know, if if you, you know, according to your works, you're going to be rewarded. According to your way, you're going to be, re, you know, repaid. And so if you do bad, you're going to reap bad things. If you do good, you're going to reap good things. Um so that's the way God set it up. Unfortunately, we kind of messed everything up with the uh, handing over dominion to Satan right. and sinning against God. And now we got sin nature to contend with and Satan and his minions who can manipulate things in this world to contend with. Absolutely. And um, so in verse 12, he says, um, God will never do wickedly. Okay. And he'll never pervert justice. So these are qualities of God. Mm-hmm. You know, God doesn't do wickedness. God doesn't commit an iniquity. You know, that's us. That's right. You know. And, and it's really amazing how we want to assign to God our, our failures and flaws, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of, it's called projection. That's right. You know, you're projecting your flaws onto someone else so that you look righteous. Right. And, and, uh, we see that a lot in politics. Absolutely. <laughs> but Eli, who here is proclaim, uh, proclaiming that God is, is, uh, a righteous God. He doesn't do bad or wickedness and he's a just God. And then in verses 13 through 15, he goes on to say, Who gave God charge over the earth? Or who appointed him over the whole world? If he should set his heart on it, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together, and man would return to the dust. 
I, I like this. So he's he's proclaiming God's sovereignty here. Right. You know, he's asking, who gave him charge over the earth? Nobody. <laughs> he created it. It belongs to him. You know, he's the sovereign God who always has been, is now, and always will be. You know, there's nobody greater than him. You know, or who appointed him over the whole world? Well, nobody did. He created the world. It belongs to him. Um, if he should set his heart on it, you know, he could uh, gather his spirit to himself and gather his breath and all flesh would perish. And I like that. I think there's scriptures in there that say, you know, by his spirit, you know, in his word, all creation is held together and functions, right. you know. So if he pulls that back, we'll, we'll cease to exist. The breath of life. Mm-hmm. Right. I and mean, that's what was breathed into to Adam, you know. So, yep. um, that's right. Yeah. And Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone. Right. But by every, you know, uh, word, you know, uh, God breathed word. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so God is the source of our existence. He's the source of our life. And without him and without his spirit, we would perish. Humanity would just turn to dust. That was good for Elihu to try to set, you know, a little bit of correction, but really going back to the foundations of God himself when he's explaining this, you know, yeah. uh, to, to Job and, and to his so-called friends there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the weeds right. of details that we lose the big picture. Yep. You know, um, you know, this happened, that happened. It's God's fault. It isn't God's fault. It's your fault. No, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And we get so wrapped up and invested in our point of view, arguing over the details that we forget the big picture. Yep. You know, God is God's sovereign, God's love. You well, know, that's getting back to, um, you know, um, who, who and who he is then uh, defines uh, what you can actually attribute to him. Yes. So you got to get back to who God is beginning with. And that goes back to the good and the evil uh, here on the earth. When people say that, you know, bad things, how does God allow bad things happen? You got to get back to the root of who he is and his actual character before you start giving him or assigning attributes to God. Right. You got to do it based off of his actual being and who he's made up of or what he's made up of. Yes. And then look at it and say, okay, only these behaviors marry to this, you know, um, makeup of God. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and a couple of his attributes are he's righteous, he's just, um, you know, he doesn't go back on his word. And also so, he's long-suffering. <laughs> yeah, he's long-suffering. So when he gave dominion to man, he honored that. Yeah. You know, okay, man, you, you got charge of the earth. Right. I gave it to you. you know, I delegated it to you. It's your authority. You know, have at it. Listen. And then man turned around and gave it to Satan. And, and God still honored that. He said, well, I gave you dominion, and then you decided to pass it on over to Satan. So that's the way it is. God made earth and everything in it for man, and God made man for God. Right. We were created for companionship with God and the relationship with God. But all the stuff that was made here, God made for us. Yes. That's why he put us over over it and dominion with that. Yeah. And um, and so since it was given to us, it's under our authority to do, and we did do exactly what we wanted to, what we pleased to do with it. So that's why God's judgment is not upon the earth. God uses the earth upon judgment sometime with us. Hmm. You know, we look at the revelation and what's going to happen here. But you know, um, but anyway, God's God's relationship with us is love. That's what He yeah. designed us for. So yeah. if we remember that, that, that's really the baseline of everything that God has with us. Now, now you can attribute. Um, you know, certain characteristics to God based off of that. 
Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So if we can if we can go back to the basics of who God is and what his character is, then I think we'll be blaming him a lot less That's right. and getting mad at him a lot less. That's right. And it will really enhance our relationship and fellowship with him. And what you do is you actually start doing from your projection outwards to your inward reflection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you start going and say, God, how do I you know, purge this out of me? Yeah. Obviously, this is coming from from the sinful nature that's in me. Yeah. So I want this to be changed. Holy Spirit created me something new. God created something new in me to where I'd be able to abolish this out and be recreated in this, you know, and and grow in that. Yeah. At least I think that's how it works. Yeah. And and it's really interesting, you know, you had pointed out that Eli, who first starts talking to each of these individuals about what they did wrong and said wrong. Yeah. And then now he's shifted into talking about God and God's qualities and character. Yeah. You know, so he's kind of setting the record straight. Here's God. Yeah. So how can you say he did these things when that's not his nature? Right. You know, and, and, uh, can, so he continues on to talk about the quality and nature of God. But if you want to find out what he has to say, you'll have to join us next time. And until then, prepare your heart for the coming revival. Amen. <laughs>